Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The overall strategic decision in Washington, at least from former President Barack Obama through his successor Donald Trump and now back to the Democrats with Joe Biden, has been to consider China its number one threat and primarily invest in preparing to meet this challenge. This decision has military, diplomatic and budgetary implications, including both a withdrawal and a drawdown of forces from less crucial theaters such as the Middle East. To further analyze the American pivot eastward and its implications on the Middle East in general and Israel in particular, we're joined from Washington, D.C. by Mr. Robert Silverman, who is a lecturer at Shalem College and former president of the American Foreign Service Association. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from Central Israel is Ambassador Dania Elon, who is Israel's former ambassador to the United States, Deputy Foreign Minister and Lecturer at NYU, as well as TV7's co-host of TV7's Middle East Review. Thank you for joining us as well. Pleasure. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of TV7's uh, Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding, of course, a very dramatic uh, couple of weeks now uh, with uh, the American prompt withdrawal and even faster takeover by the Taliban of Afghanistan, uh, which, uh, of course, had everybody throughout the Middle East uh, observing quite keenly and trying to anticipate what's going to happen next. But uh, beyond that, also the American attitude towards uh, the, the realities on the ground and now also uh, China and Iran and Russia and other countries that are opposed to Western dominance uh, seeking to fill the void also here in Afghanistan and elsewhere throughout the region. What can you tell us about that? Well, one shouldn't put um, China and Russia and Iran in the same basket because the American uh, strategic uh, review, which started uh, several years ago, and as you said, uh, uh, the uh, uh, undercurrents have been in uh, three administrations already at least, from Obama through Trump uh, to Biden. Um, This is a semi-isolationist spirit. Not uh, all of all Americans want to go back to fortress America. Not all of them are saying America first because they understand that it must be an alliance first. Yes, the United States is at the center of the alliance, but it cannot work alone. And it's a question of priorities. You can't do everything, and you must take uh, into account what the market will bear. And the market, in this case, is what the American electorate and its representatives will allow the executive branch to do. And as one looks at trends in American politics and society, including the 2020 census and what it portends, is that down the road, there will not be a lot of support for adventures or military presence everywhere. And certainly, as President Biden uh, noted last week, for nation building. Uh, There will be some American military missions. 
but they will be in key areas. And, and uh, it seems that the Middle East is less and less one of these areas, of course, because of other trends, oil uh, versus other energy uh, assets or resources. And Israel should take note and know that in 2028, when the current um, military aid program or security financing program signed by President Obama is over, there may not be uh, an automatic support for continued assistance to Israel if there are other uh, needs. And in the U.S. arms... Which is highly unlikely, uh, if I may add. But with that being said, I'd like before Let, we... Let's meet here in seven years and see. Indeed. But we'll, uh, uh, of course, like to involve our two distinguished uh, diplomats, one from the Israeli uh, Foreign Service, the other from yes. the American Foreign Service. But before we do so, I'd, I'd like to touch on two words you said, strategic review. Of course, when the Biden administration entered the office, it uh, highlighted uh, also to the Pentagon, also to the State Department, its intention and uh, executed it a global posture review, if you will, and uh, declaratively at the time was to pivot eastward with uh, the EASTCOM and the, the naval forces, of course, deployments there and the South China Sea taking core focus of the American attention, of course, at the expense of ultimately the Middle East and elsewhere around the world, excluding Europe, which uh, remains uh, a key strategic uh, ally of the United States in order to execute everything that it wants. But with that uh, comes my question, to what degree, and uh, this specifically also for Afghanistan and, and other aspects to this region, but to what degree is the way you do something as important as the, the doing itself? Well, of course, uh, it looks like a defeat, even though uh, President Trump signed this uh, agreement with the Taliban a year and a half ago, and President Biden announced uh, what he was going to do. And it is not the first time that an army collapses all of a sudden. The French army did in 1940. The uh, Iraqis, when Daesh, when ISIS uh, uh, assaulted, there are uh, even Fatah, against Hamas in Gaza 14 years ago. There are apparently uh, trends which have to do with motivation, with training. And um, the lesson here, by the way, is that Israel should know that both the Saudis as well as the Emiratis will probably not be able to sustain their air forces without foreign contractors as technicians. They may have pilots, they will have shiny fighter planes, but they will not have enough maintainers uh, for, for their fleets. So even though uh, it is tempting for Israel to consider linking up with these air force forces, when push comes to shove, they may not uh, be there. But, but what you said about China uh, is because in the American uh, uh, view, China is being active, proactive, while the United States is reacting to the uh, Chinese uh, initiatives to uh, encroach on many, many uh, sea lines of communications 
and go everywhere. Well, there was a meeting, and I'd like to ask uh, uh, Mr. Silverman first, uh, coming from the American perspective, Mr. Xiong, mm-hmm. who is the uh, uh, Chinese uh, Foreign Ministry's special envoy for Afghanistan affairs, uh, met with the Iranian Foreign Minister, Mohammad Javad Zarif, the outgoing, uh, during which they agreed, they, they had a broad consensus about everything to do with Afghanistan and agreed to bolster cooperation with regard to Afghanistan to increase uh, their involvement in Afghanistan. And that happened on the same day that the United States withdrew its forces and Kabul collapsed. How can uh, we not take note of something like that at a time when, of course, uh, for instance, Pakistan, which is a guarantor of of, uh, Afghanistan at this stage and has been a host country of the Taliban, uh, which uh, fled from uh, Afghanistan once the United States entered the theater, uh, is a key strategic interest of China and ultimately has a key role in uh, bolstering uh, the the aspects of everything that's ongoing in Afghanistan. And then that same president goes to a NATO ally of the United States, uh, Turkey, and meets up with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, and they start discussing of how to strengthen Afghanistan from that perspective as well. Everything seems so strategically complex, but at the same time, it also indicates that you can't just pick everything up and leave and expect China not to enter the theater or other potential adversaries or, or competitors, if you will. Right. Well, I agree with you, um, Jonathan and Amir both. Uh, this is a huge tragedy that the ramifications of which are, are still being registered and and taken into account its early days, um, the U.S. is in damage uh, limitation mode. Um, I think if you listen to President Biden's speech last week, um, um, in which he doubled down on the decision, he's very, I've never seen him so resolute and definitive on a foreign policy issue. I think President uh, Biden is reflecting very much uh, the debates that he had with others during the Obama administration, when, as you recall, in the early years of the first Obama administration, there was a surge, and uh, Biden had opposed it. He felt at the time that he was right. He feels now that he was right to have opposed the dramatic surge in 2009, 2010 of U.S. troops, and he vowed then and is following through now on his promise uh, to to limit the U.S. Um, role in Afghanistan. And so I I wouldn't try to universalize what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, I don't think it's neo-isolationism. I I do think uh, the U.S. public has been clear that uh, there there needs to be an end date uh, for, you know, offensive military operations in in that country. And and we need to revert to a counterterrorism role. And, And that's what's happened. Um, the, it was messy. It was it was poorly managed, and uh, the pictures we saw last week on the TV are searing, and and very saddening. But um, President Biden was reflecting the overall political interests of the U.S. in limiting the damage in Afghanistan. I, I wouldn't overestimate that and universalize it, though. Ambassador Ayalon, your take on this? 
Well, I would say, uh, Jonathan, that uh, the writing was on the wall when uh, two and a half, three years ago, basically, um, a very senior American diplomat, uh, Zalmay Khalilzad, uh, was appointed by then President uh, Trump to preside over the talks between the United States and the Taliban in Qatar. This was showing to everyone that the United States is looking for a way uh, out in a uh, respectable uh, manner. Uh, save face, and the Taliban, as the Taliban uh, took it very seriously, they were actually putting uh, the, the the Americans uh, into a love, if uh, I can say so, by promising different things, and of course preparing on the ground a takeover. And we have seen it. So it seems like the, the era of uh, nation building, of boots on the ground, of uh, trying to take over uh, countries and do any mop-up uh, operations is over. And uh, that, uh, I think, bodes pretty well for uh, Israel, if I may say so, because Israel has always boasted, and rightly so, that it never has asked for the United States to send any military or any American uh, troops in harm's way for, uh, for Israeli interests. All, we always said that we're very uh, proud to be able to defend ourselves by ourselves. And all we needed from the United States is, of course, the uh, technological, the, the military, uh, um, not personnel, but, uh, um, you know, goods. If, uh, and, of course, uh, some political uh, cover. And um, when we look into other allies of the United the States, they may be exist. in quite a quandary. Uh, whether it's uh, South Korea, whether it's even Japan, if we we're talking about uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, actions uh, over in the South China Sea, uh, even NATO, uh, which is uh, largely relying on uh, American troops and American uh, air cover. But uh, in, in case of, of Israel, I think we are becoming a more valuable asset for the United States. And in many ways here in the region, when you have uh, countries that do rely uh, for their security uh, on the United States, especially against the uh, nefarious ambitions of uh, Iran, then it would be very easy. And I think this is the direction where the United States will outsource Israel uh, in the defense of uh, the region in many perspectives, even just for deterrence um, uh, purposes. And in that case, I think Israel's value has been uh, very much increased by this very, very sad, I must say, situation in Afghanistan. But all these setbacks of the United States, whether it was in Afghanistan or Iraq, in many ways um, have played into uh, um, Israel's um, interest right here in the Middle East. Indeed. Mr. Ogan, uh, the, the highlight of, of what also Ambassador Ayalon said is Israel is a valuable asset of the United States in this region, of course, a region that has strategic importance for the United States. A third of global oil imports and exports are going through the Strait of Hormuz, also, of course, through uh, the, the area of Bab el-Mandab and, and all the adjacent areas. Those are strategic assets, not only to Israel, not only to this region, but to Europe, to China, to the United States. And uh, we cannot emphasized that enough, of course. But at the same time, while Israel has never asked the United States for boots on the ground, there is interoperability between the U.S. Air Force and uh, the Israeli Air Force. There's interoperability between 
the two militaries uh, on on lesser levels, on on the lower, um, uh, less technological units, if you will. But at the same time, there is quite uh, an understanding uh, with regard to the significance of uh, the state of uh, Israel being where it is and allowing the United States to use its territory for its own uh, interests as well. How do you see that actually play into the favor of Israel when we're talking about the U.S. pivot eastward? Is this going to damage some of the cooperation that has been so vital for U.S. national security interests as well as, of course, Israel reaping the benefits thereof? So by way of answering, let me make a couple of points. I happened to be at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina in 1975, in the spring, when South Vietnam fell to um, North Vietnam and uh, the Viet Cong. And all of the uh, paratroopers and special forces I met there at the time were Vietnam veterans, and they had mixed uh, reactions. They were sorry to see their investment go down the drain, but nevertheless um, thought that um, there must be an end to such wars. And lo and behold, the uh, future of Vietnam was in America's interest. A a unified, a united Vietnam, uh, independent of both uh, China and the Soviet Union, now Russia, is now an ally of the United States. So this might uh, also happen in Afghanistan, and of course in Afghanistan there are Sunnis, uh, their cooperation with Iran is far from assured. Yes, you mentioned Turkey, Turkey is Sunni. Uh, We can see various uh, alliances there. Just to put things in perspective, the same regime that hosted and enabled the same people who committed 9-11 are back in power. Yes, but th- these are people who were helped by the United States, the Mujahideen against the Soviets in the 1990s. We can go back and forth and, and look at history from various uh, uh, angles. The United States came into Afghanistan to uproot al-Qaeda. And because the Taliban hosted al-Qaeda, they were on the American target list too. But there was nothing per se between the United States uh, and the Taliban. Now, what Ambassador Elon mentioned regarding Israel uh, not uh, asking for any American trooper is uh, 98% right. And had he been saying it to uh, a Jewish American audience in Miami, Florida, or Tucson, Arizona, he would have been given a standing ovation. But from 1991 on, we have relied on American help for missile defense. First, when they sent Patriot batteries to help us against Saddam Hussein, and because we still have the protocols with uh, UCOM, um, because we cannot protect ourselves against Iranian missiles alone. And However, it these can- were never used in active battle. Yes, but if the Iranians shoot at Israel, and there are thousands of American servicemen here, they too might get hurt. So, but in any event, uh, yes, uh, the relationship between the Israeli Defense Forces and the various forces of the United States are as intimate as between the U.S. forces and any other ally. The cooperation, the coordination, there is no real secret 
between these forces. But this is only on the professional level. The US military salutes the um, civilian echelons, the elected officials. And if there is no real cooperation between the Israeli government and the US administration, the uh, other stuff will still be helpful. Israel, for instance, has secretly helped the coalition against ISIS. Many, many Air Force sorties have been launched by Israel, from Israel, into Syria in order to defeat ISIS. Israel never asked for any credit. Nor has it, it always, uh, ever acknowledged it. No, it, it did acknowledge it after the fact, but it did, not, it did not want to break up the coalition as long as ISIS was there. But, uh, just, but this was in Israel's interest. Just asking Israel to play foreign legion will not do because the Israeli electorate also has a vote uh, in it. Indeed. Well, uh, there is an individual who visited Israel a couple weeks back uh, who uh, you're both uh, personally familiar with and also uh, has been part of the diplomatic ranks, uh, at least in the United States uh, uh, State Department, uh, Mr. Burns, the head of the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, who came to Israel at the invitation of uh, uh, David Barnea, the, the head of the Mossad here in Israel, as well as uh, the prime minister and defense minister, had various consultations and meetings. Uh, and there was an emphasis put on this uh, matter uh, in seeking to bolster cooperation vis-a-vis Iran. Now, Burns is one of the facilitators, if you will, of uh, the, the communications that were established via Oman towards Iran. Uh, this, of course, uh, raises plenty of questions, and uh, I'd like to start with you, Mr. Silverman. How do you regard yeah. this? Bill Burns uh, is a great uh, friend of Israel's. I've worked for him twice when he was uh, Deputy Secretary of State and when he was head of the Middle East Department at State. And he led the U.S. delegations to the U.S.-Israel Strategic Dialogue for many years. So he knows this country and he knows the region. And, and he knows uh, what all American um, CIA directors uh, greatly appreciate and value, which is that Israel is uh, very much a partner, a two-way partner in intelligence sharing. I mean, I've seen data that shows that Israel provides more intelligence, raw intelligence to the U.S. on uh, counterterrorism matters than all of Europe. Uh, Israel is a bigger source of uh direct uh, actionable intelligence on, on counterterrorism than the EU. Uh, that's an amazing fact. Um, you know, it, it changes year in and year out. But uh, Israel is in a major uh, intelligence partner of the U.S., as well as, as Amir noted, you know, a defense partner. So I don't think any of us should be concerned about the U.S.-Israel relationship. Uh, there were... Uh, concerns that this democratic administration would take a very different line. It has shown itself to be an, a reliable ally of Israel's during the recent war with uh, Hamas. I do think, going back to Afghanistan, my final point would be, we have to watch now um, the resurgence of Islamicists. Uh, they just scored a big victory with the Taliban. And, um, and of course, the Hamas is a fellow traveler. Um, uh, you can say that there are, you know, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, these are all Sunni extremist organizations uh, that uh, are in the same camp with Taliban. So uh, 
they've scored a big victory now, and uh, we have to uh, push back against that collectively and, and watch and monitor very closely. Ambassador Ayalon. Yes, I would add uh, to that. First of all, yes, uh, Bill Burns is a good friend of Israel. I totally uh, agree with uh, Robert. Uh, first and foremost, he's a diplomat. He's a diplomat's diplomat. So uh, he would always uh, look uh, to find some uh, creative uh, diplomatic uh, solutions. Um, when it comes to Iran, I don't think he came here with any uh, uh, messages from Washington that uh, I would say um, assuaged the uh, concern here uh, of Israel. On the other hand, he was quite, uh, I would say, berating Israel or at least uh, uh, you know, raising some red flags vis-a-vis uh, -vis Israel cooperation uh, with China in many fields, uh, not uh, in the least, of course, infrastructure here. Um, but uh, I think when we look uh, into uh, the future, and I very much agree with uh, Robert uh, about the sharing of uh, intelligence between Israel and the United States, which really is a, a major uh, asset for the United States, a real uh, uh, value added. It's also in the way of technology. And here I want to connect the dots with uh, Amir, who said, yes, it is true that in 1991, when Israel received this uh, 39 Scud missiles from uh, Iraq, Saddam Hussein, at that time, of course, there was nothing about missile defense. Patriot was the only way. But uh, this was short-lived. And since then, we have made really huge strides and today, actually, it is the United States who's purchasing uh, Iron Dome systems from Israel to protect uh, its uh, uh, troops in various areas in the world. Indeed. Mr. Oren, of course, uh, you have uh, plenty to say about the intelligence uh, meeting also between uh, uh, Mr. Barnett and uh, Mr. Burns uh, or Ambassador Burns. Uh, but uh, very shortly, from your perspective, is the cooperation at this stage well enough in order to ensure Israel's national security interests are maintained in Syria and elsewhere, considering Tehran's emboldenment also post uh, the inauguration of Raisi? Nothing um, is um, assured forever. Uh, it's a constant uh, effort, constant uh, battle, and Israel uh, can be assisted by others, but has to uh, bear the brunt of most of its uh, defense alone. Israel should be uh, careful not to be depicted as a cheerleader for American military involvement where American lives can be lost. Israel is not in the grandstand saying, yes, America, stay in Afghanistan, go elsewhere, fight, die for us. Israel should know its place. It is very powerful, but still modest in comparison to the big powers. Well, according to its only statement released with regard to Afghanistan, was focused on the humanitarian implications of the situation there rather than anything else. Uh, but this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Silverman, Ambassador Ayalon, and Mr. Ogan for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.